This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Jesus, that's, that's why we're here today. Because you have been so good to us, and you have given us life. And we want to learn more about that. We want to experience you today. And so thank you for being for us as we gather in this place today. Amen. Amen. You can grab a seat. Good morning. How are you? Good. All right. You're good. How are you? All right. You're good over there. How are you? I'm talking to the camera. I guess just yell. We can hear you throughout Sonoma County. (laughs) Hey, my name is Joel. I'm the lead pastor here at New Life, and I'm so glad that you're with us. And I just, I want to give a special welcome. If this is your first time, we're glad that you're here. If you're tuning in for the first time, we're glad you're with us. I want to encourage you to lean in today. We, we gather every single week as a, as a church community because we believe that there's a life that God wants to lead us into when we find that life when we meet Jesus. And wherever you're at in your journey, your story, I'm there, I'm exploring. We just want you to know we're so glad you're here. If you'll lean in today, we think that maybe you'll get a glimpse of that life in a new way, in a fresh way, and we want to share that with you. And so I'd love to invite you to, to learn more about who we are as a church. In the seat back pockets in front of you, you'll see this little piece of paper, and there's a QR code. And so if you've got a modern cell phone, if you've got like the old one, it's not going to help you. But if you've got one with a camera, you can scan this QR code, and it'll take you to an app that you can get. And it's our New Life app, and it's got all sorts of information on there about things that are coming up. But there's some tools on there I'd love to invite you to, take, to, to utilize and take part in. One of those is a prayer request card. So if you've got something going on in your life and you would love to just be supported this week, you can fill that out and hit submit and we will get it. And there's some people that are a part of our prayer team that would love to encourage you and pray for you this week. If you'd like someone to reach out and contact you, let us know and we would love to walk with you and support you in that way. But I want to invite you to just to learn more and be a part of that with that tool that's right there in front of you. Something else I want to invite you to take part in is a chance to give and support the things that God is doing in the life of our church. And so there's another tool in the seat back pocket in front of you. It's our giving envelope. And you can use this tool in a few ways. If you want to give money, (laughs) this is a good tool to use. You can fill this out and drop it in the the buckets or the, the boxes in the back of the room on the tables. But also on the envelope, there's a little QR code too. You can scan that and it could take you right to an opportunity to give. And the reason that we give as a church is so that we can be a part of the things that God wants to do in us and through us. I don't know, how many of you have made it back to Costco now that stuff's opening up? Did you know the churros are back? The churros are back. I'm so excited that Costco churros are back. We were eating there this last week as a family, and we just were getting churros, and we just get two, and we split them amongst the four of us. And it just reminded me of this moment when our girls were real little, and I had bought a churro for one of my girls. And then I was like, hey, I want you to share some of that with your sister. No. I mean, she was like crushing this thing in her hand. And it was like this death grip. But I just remember like looking at her I'm like, no, no, no. It's like share some with your sister. And she was like, no, it's my churro. And, and I realized she was missing the heart of father that I wanted to give to her as daughter to be generous with her sister. And I'm like, oh, you don't understand. I can get you all the churros you want. What I want for you in this moment is to just be generous like I am to your sister. And that's really why we give. It's a chance for us to reflect dad's heart, his generosity to us, and help other people. 
And so I just want to say thank you for those of you that have been faithful in giving and supporting us as we've navigated the craziest years of our lives as a, as a church. And as we continue walking forward, that, that when you give, it matters. It makes a difference. It allows us as a church collectively to share Jesus with other people. And so if you've never done that, I would just encourage you to, to say, God, what do you want with my life in this area? Because I'm willing to share the churro because I trust you've got more. <laughs> And so I just want to say thank you for being willing to do that. So there's some things that we are excited that are coming up as a life of a church. Our small groups just started this last week. That's really fun for us to know that we're a church that meets beyond the walls of the building. We walk together to encourage each other. I hope you had a great week. We got to meet with our group for the very first time since we, our family, got here before everything happened. That was so much fun to just huddle up and be there for each other and encourage each other. And so I just want to encourage you in your groups, keep leaning in together and walking together. It's a beautiful thing. Something that's coming up this month. Do you realize that we are already like four days into October? We're almost into deep fall. That's why I wear the flannel today, even though I regret the choice because it's way too hot. But with fall comes all sorts of fun things. And so what's coming up the end of this month? Halloween is coming up. Last year, we did something for the very first time because we wanted to create an event for our community. We did a trunk or treat in our parking lot. And we thought it was so much fun and it went so well. Let's do it again. And so we are going to do Trunk or Treat again on Sunday, the 31st in our parking lot from 6 to 8 p.m., but we need your help to do this. And so I want to invite you to be a part of it in a few ways. One way is to actually come and be a trunk that families can come to and kids can come to, and we're going to pass candy out to people. And so our family has signed up to do it. It's going to be great. We have a theme already in place, so if you go to the sign-up list, you can get a hint of what our theme is. Please don't steal our theme. Choose your own theme. But it's going to be fun. You can also help if you can just bring candy to the building at some point in time. So we want to make this a free event to our community. And so we actually want to have candy to pass out versus rocks. So we would need your help to bring some candy. That would be awesome. You can sign up to do that. Or maybe you just want to help out the event. Or you just want to come and participate at the, at the night of. But we want to invite you to be a part of this with us. And so there's a little flyer that you're sitting on. It's got some more information. But also if you go online to New Life petaluma.com or go onto our app, you can click on there and sign up to help in a, in a whole bunch of ways. So it's going to be a great event that we can just create something fun for our community as a church and share goodness with them. Well, we are going to continue in this series that we've been in for the last several weeks called Walking with Jesus. And we've been taking a look at one of Jesus' first followers, one of his closest friends, this guy Peter. And we've been saying, okay, what can we learn from Peter's life in his journey of walking with Jesus to encourage us in our own? And, and I don't know about you, but it's amazing when, it, when we've been looking at Peter's life. It's like, I can so be that guy. And Jesus is so good to that guy, which gives hope to this guy. <laughs> and that's why we want to look at this, to realize that there's hope for all of our stories when it comes to walking with Jesus. And so today, Christy is going to continue us in that series. And so I'm going to pray for us as we go into that. And then Christy's going to come on up and we're going to go into our time of teaching. And so, Jesus, thank you that you are for us. Thank you that you have life for us, that you, you call us to follow you so we can discover the truth about life, the truth about you, the, the goodness and love you have for us. And in doing that, we actually become the greatest version of ourselves we could ever hope to be because you know exactly who we are. And so I ask today that you give us ears to hear the things that you want to say to us. Would you empower Christy as she comes and speaks? Would we know you more for having spent time together in this place with you? In your name, amen. All right, let's give Christy some love. Real quick, can you put this over here for me? Hey, guys. Good morning. Yeah, I'm good. 
fun fact, Joel likes his teaching table over here, and I like mine over here. So we're a little bit different like that. And we are married, by the way. I'm Christy. Somebody asked me the other day, I kind of have a weird question. Are you guys married? <laughs> like, yes, I guess, yes, we are. <laughs> so yeah, it's great to be here with you this morning. We are continuing in our Walking with Jesus series. We're looking at the life of Peter. Um, Peter's amazing. We're seeing this kind of ultimate makeover happening in Peter. Um, at the beginning of our story, at the beginning of our series, we see Peter kind of fumbling and bumbling his way to following Jesus. And in today's story, we're going to see a very different Peter. Um, we're going to see Peter go, you know, he started out as this like hard on his sleeve, kind of rugged, fearful fisherman. And in today's story, we're going to see a very different Peter. We're going to see this Peter that is faithful, that is strong, that is bold. And he is this amazing man that Jesus builds his church upon. And there's a lot that we can learn from him today. We have a lot of scripture to go through. So you might want to get your Bibles out now. Turn to Acts chapter 3. And we're going to take a look at this story from his life. It takes place after Jesus has died. Jesus has been crucified. He is resurrected. He has ascended into heaven. And God has given the Holy Spirit to fill and lead and guide his believers here on earth. The Holy Spirit is our helper. He's our comforter. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God that comes to live within us and guide us when we trust Jesus. And so Peter is at this point in his life where he has been radically changed by Jesus Christ. And now he is full of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to see Peter in his truest self now. And I say truest self because the more that we listen and follow Jesus— the more we become the truest versions of ourselves. We become who God made us to be. And so at this point in time, Peter is strong, he is bold, he is focused and dialed in on his purpose in life. So Peter understands and he believes that Jesus is the greatest thing that we have to offer the world. Peter understands that for all of humanity, Jesus is what we all need the most. So open your Bibles, Acts chapter 3, verse 1. We're going to jump right in here. Um, It says this, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. Okay, simple verse. Peter and John, they're walking to prayer at three o'clock in the afternoon, and we're about to look at a crazy story. This is a story where there's a miracle. We're going to see a whole community of people's lives changed for Jesus. But before we go any further, I don't want us to ignore how small this story begins. Peter and John are walking to pray. They're doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing. Like there's nothing too exciting about walking to a prayer meeting at three o'clock in the afternoon, right? But they're faithfully doing what they're supposed to be doing, and that is where God meets them. God meets them in the ordinary moment of obedience. So we're literally one verse in, and there's an application here. If God wanted to do a miracle through your story, where would he find you at 3 p.m. on any given day, or 10 p.m., or 8 a.m.? Would he find you faithfully doing what he's called you to do? Maybe there's something that you might need to reprioritize in your life so that God can take your ordinary moment and turn it into an extraordinary moment. 
So this fall, we've been stepping into new routines as a family. The girls have gone back to school, which is super exciting. Um, we're back in the office. Um, it just feels like life has picked up back to normal again, and that's super exciting. But I'm very, like, my personality, I get distracted super easy. Like, have you ever, like, picked up your phone and you go to do something, and then you find, oh, I have to email this person, and I have to contact this, and, and like, Five minutes goes by, and then you forget why you picked up your phone in the first place. <laughs> I do that all the time. And so um, this fall, one thing that's really helped me is um, I had to clear my phone. Like, I was just getting way too distracted by things that don't matter. Um, so I cleared my phone, and it looks like this. I think we have a photo of it. Okay. Um, yeah. This is my phone now. It is helped me so much. And I'm just sharing this with you because um, it's helped me. I see I got my Bible app at the top, which is amazing. And then right next to it, I have my um, My Most For His Highest. That's an amazing devotional. You can go to their website, myutmostforhishighest.com, and just click a little bookmark and put it right there. And every day you open it, there's a brand new devotional, and it's amazing. And then I put that text, God, you're my first priority. Because I just wanted to be focused. As my life picks up speed again, I want to remember um, that when I put first things first, everything else falls into place. And I want to remind you this morning that Jesus is what we all need the most. You know, it's easy to feel like we need other things more. And you might be thinking, like, that's really nice, Christy, but, like, I have real problems that need to be solved. And just saying that Jesus is what we all need the most doesn't really feel like it's solving anything. And I understand that we have problems that are real, you know? We have problems in our families. We have financial trouble. We, we want a better job. We, we have issues in our marriage. We want a better life. But I want to remind you this morning, don't buy the lie that those things are what we need the most. Because actually, Jesus is what we all need the most. Because when you have Jesus, you have the one that is going to lead you to the other side of every single circumstance that life will throw at you. When you have Jesus, you have life, and you will not be overcome by the problems of this world. When you have Jesus, you have wisdom, strength, and help, and everything that you need. And when you have Jesus, you have the truth. And Jesus says the truth will set you free. And so we're going to see this play out in the story today. So here's Peter and John on their way to pray, three o'clock in the afternoon, ordinary moment of following Jesus. And we're going to jump back in here to verse two. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, Look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. And then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then, walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. 
When they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade, where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. Okay, so if you were to ask this guy right now, at this point in time, what would you rather have? Would you rather have the money, or would you rather have Jesus? What do you think his answer would be? I think it would 100% be Jesus. Why? Because when you have Jesus, Jesus brings the healing you need in all the other areas of your life. You are made right with God. Your sins are forgiven. He fills you with his Holy Spirit, and he empowers you to walk away from all the things that have been crippling you. He fills your life with joy and peace and purpose. And no matter what comes at you in life, Jesus walks with you through it all, and he shows you the path of life. You know, sometimes people will say to Joel and I, like, why does the church kind of seem to be so silent about things that are going on in the world? You know, why don't we speak up more about all the current issues at hand? Now, I would say that the reality is, is that we do speak up, just maybe not in the way that people expect, because we believe that Jesus is what people need the most. And we lead people to Jesus. And when we do that, when people encounter Jesus for themselves, this is what happens. Lives are healed. Families are restored. Our communities are unified. Our young ones find their way on the right path. People are filled with hope and not despair. And we see the peace and prosperity of our city when Jesus is put in his rightful place. And we're going to see that happen for the community in this story, too. The crowd begins to gather around these three guys, and people are curious. Like, this is the dude we pass by every day at the gate. This guy was a public figure, and there was no denying he was crippled. The scriptures say he was there for 40 years. So someone carried him to that gate every day so he could beg. So... Growing up, I don't know, have you guys ever noticed how every town has its own kind of personalities that everyone is aware of? I grew up in Carlsbad, California, down San Diego, and there was this dude in our town that every, nobody really knew him, but everyone knew him, if you know what I mean. So he was this guy, and he, drew, he drove a purple stretch limousine, okay? He drove it all over town. He always had a Hawaiian shirt on, he had this big mustache, and he always, always, always had a parrot on his shoulder. So obviously, he's going to stand out. I saw him probably most days of my life growing up. In our family, we affectionately called him the purple limo guy. And, um, And so this guy was a guy, yeah, that's him, oh my gosh. Okay, so I was thinking about him, and I was thinking about how Every town has their famous personality. And I was like, I wonder if I could Google him. So I Googled him this week, you guys. And he flies air taxis now. Like, he flies air taxis back and forth from San Diego to L.A. I just thought that was awesome. I, I, one time, you know, we moved, from, we moved to Canada, and we came back several years later, and I walked into a 7-Eleven, and he was there, and he's like, hey, he yells to me across the 7-Eleven, how have you been? And I'm like, good. <laughs> like, you just, it's so crazy how every town, I haven't learned who those people are in Petaluma yet, but <laughs> every town, everyone knew this guy, just like everyone knew this guy at the gate, okay? And so the crowd started gathering, and Peter is thinking, like, okay, 
we got to share Jesus with one person, and now we have the opportunity to share Jesus with the entire crowd. And Peter has eyes to see the opportunities before him. He has eyes to see um, the opportunities for sharing Jesus. So take note about that, right? Like, he makes the most of these opportunities. He stewards them well. So it says this, Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd. People of Israel, he said, what is so surprising about this? And why stare at us as though we had made this man walk by our own power or godliness? So Peter takes this opportunity. He turns the focus away from himself and he puts the attention back on God. Why does he do that? Because Jesus is what we all need the most. And remember this, when God gives you an opportunity, if you ever have that moment where the attention is on you, to take that focus and put it back on God, not yourself. Verse 13, For it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of all our ancestors, who has brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. This is the same Jesus whom you handed over and rejected before Pilate, despite Pilate's decision to release him. You rejected this holy, righteous one and instead demanded the release of a murderer. You killed the author of life. Yikes. But God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses of this fact. Through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed, and you know how crippled he was before. Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. So Peter goes into an entire sermon after this. He starts telling them about Jesus, inviting them into a relationship with God, telling them to repent of their sins and turn to God so that they can experience forgiveness and healing. And this opportunity to heal one man suddenly turns into an invitation for the entire city. That's how God works. His beautiful invitation for life and healing, it just keeps on going through every generation and nation on the earth. I think it would be really interesting if you and I could trace back um, our faith invitation in time. Like, I know I received Jesus from my parents, and my parents were hippies in the 70s, and they received Jesus during the Jesus movement. And then whoever invited those people to receive Jesus, I think if we could like rewind the tape and go back in time, I think it would link, it spans over 2,000 years. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if in this room that we could trace our faith invitation all the way back to this moment here with Peter. Isn't that crazy to think about? It's possible. I mean, I'm not saying it's for sure, but it's possible. Because the good news of Jesus is unstoppable. And even though it's unstoppable, that doesn't mean that we don't experience opposition. So in Acts 4, it says, While Peter and John were speaking to the people, they were confronted by the priests, the captain of the temple guard, and some of the Sadducees. These leaders were very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus there is a resurrection of the dead. They arrested them since it was already evening, put them in jail until morning. But many of the people who heard their message believed it. So the number of men who believed now totaled about 5,000. Isn't that amazing? So what can we learn from Peter here? When we put Jesus first, we can expect opposition. Opposition actually means that we're doing right, doing it right, not doing it wrong. 
you know, obviously there's a wrong way to share tr- truth. We don't, we're not trying to be disrespectful. We're not trying to beat people over the head with it. But I'm assuming that if you are sharing truth, you're doing it from a place of love, that you're trying your best to communicate the truth in the best way possible. And I want you to understand that it is possible to communicate the truth with love, with grace, with style, present it in the most perfect way possible, and still experience opposition. Because it happened to Jesus, right? And Jesus is perfect. And it happened to Peter. Like literally in this moment, Peter's sharing the truth. He does this miracle healing, and he's still experiencing opposition. Opposition is not your fault. It does not mean that you are doing it wrong. And sometimes as Christians, I think we can feel like we're failing when we experience opposition. Like we see um, maybe a bad article written about someone, some church in the local paper, or we see a brother or sister in Christ being smeared in the media for speaking out about something pertaining to their faith in Jesus. And we just kind of believe the lies that are being spoken of them, and we shake our head like, oh, I don't want to be associated with them. And what do we do? We shrink back in our own lives. God, I don't want to offend anyone by sharing Jesus, so I'm just going to stay quiet. And we're entering this time in history where it is so important for us to stand together with our brothers and our sisters in Christ, with people who are being rejected, who are being canceled, and demonstrate the mercy of God. George Orwell, he was like a famous English novelist, from the early 1900s. He's actually a devout atheist, but he has this incredible quote that I think is actually quite prophetic. He says, the further a society drifts from the truth, the more it will hate those that speak it. The further a society drifts from the truth, the more it will hate those that speak it. And I believe this is what we're seeing in our culture today. But the problem is, instead of speaking the truth, we're intimidated and we shrink back because the enemy has convinced us that rejection equals failure. And we shrink back and we withhold the truth from our community who actually desperately need Jesus. And I want to encourage you today, maybe find a way to step out, kind of examine your life and see, is there, is there anything that I've been withholding I'm not talking about going out and looking for a fight, okay? I'm I'm talking about fighting the right battles because we don't want to fight the wrong battles. When we fight the wrong battles, we don't have the energy to fight the right battles. (laughs) But is there an uh, area in your life where maybe you've been shrinking back instead of speaking up? And start standing with those in our family of faith when they're rejected by the world. Instead of reading a headline assuming the worst, and we have to stop seeing opposition as failure and start seeing opposition as an opportunity for influence. So Peter and John, they got arrested, they got put in jail, and then what happens? They saw 5,000 people come to Jesus. Influence does not come from withholding the truth in the face of opposition. And I could see how people would respond to Peter and John if they were here today, right? How unloving of you, Peter, going against the authorities, telling these people that they need to repent and turn from their sin. How arrogant of you to think that your way is the only way. You know, loving people means always agreeing with them and and catering to their ideas. But what did Peter and John do? They remained faithful 
to share Jesus in the face of opposition, and their community experienced Jesus because of this. 5,000 people came to Jesus that day. Who is waiting on the other side of your obedience? Who is waiting on the other side of your act of courage? Who is going to find Jesus because of your willingness to obey God in the face of opposition? So what happened next? The next day, the council of all the rulers and elders and teachers of the religious law met in Jerusalem. They brought in two disciples and demanded, By what power or in whose name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, okay, catch this. Who is at work in Peter's life right here? The Holy Spirit. This is the Spirit of God speaking through him. This is not Peter the coward. This is Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power, of love, and self-discipline. Peter said to them, rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, and the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. I love that. There is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. If there was another way, I'm sure Peter would have said it here. But he doesn't. What does Peter say as he is filled with the Holy Spirit? There is only one name that brings healing, only one name, one way to be saved, only one powerful name that brings the dead to life, and his name is Jesus. And a little encouragement for you this morning when you face opposition. Keep your eyes on Jesus, not on your fears, not on your circumstances, not on rejection. Keep your eyes on Jesus Turn the voice of the world down and remind yourself who called you to this moment and where your authority comes from. Jesus gave you his authority to go and make disciples of all nations, and he promised to be with you to the end as you share and lead and teach and baptize people in his name. You have been given the authority to share the good news. So don't let the enemy convince you that rejection means failure. It's actually quite the opposite, in fact. Jesus said, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute, and persecute you and lie about you and say all kinds of evil things against you because you're my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. So Jesus has given you the authority to share the good news about him, and that authority is powerful. It's an authority that the world cannot take away from you. So Acts uh, 4.13, the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. So wow, like these guys were just ordinary guys. That's amazing to me. When we spend time with Jesus, he empowers us to do amazing things. And it's crazy looking at Peter in this story because he just seems so bold and so strong. Like, arrest me, no problem. Put me in jail, no problem. I can stick up for Jesus to the high priest, no problem. 
And Peter wasn't always like this. Like, and that's really good news for me because I'm a big chicken. I don't like to ruffle feathers. I like to be liked. And it wasn't that long ago in Peter's story. Remember Joel's teaching last week? When Jesus was about to be crucified and Peter was scared out of his mind and he goes back and he, he denies Jesus three times. You can go and listen to Joel's teaching if you missed it. But he denies Jesus three times, and one of those times was to a little girl, like (laughs) a little servant girl. He was so intimidated by her. And this is a very, very different Peter now. He is willing to be bold. He's willing to pay the price. So what changed? Peter's filled with the Holy Spirit now, which means he's not operating in the power and strength of his own. He is supernaturally filled with the power of God to speak the truth with boldness. And the same Holy Spirit that filled Peter fills us today. And when we pray, help me, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit comes and he fills us. He gives us wisdom. He gives us strength. He gives us truth. He gives us whatever we need to endure. Verse 14, but since they could see the man who had been healed standing right there among them, there was nothing the council could say. So they ordered Peter and John out of the council chamber and conferred among themselves. What should we do with these men, they asked each other. We can't deny that they performed a miraculous sign, and everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. But to keep them from spreading their propaganda any further, we must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name again. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, What do you think God wants us, or do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we've seen and heard. The council then threatened them further, but they finally let them go because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot. (laughs) For everyone was praising God for this miraculous sign, the healing of a man who had been lame for more than 40 years. And as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. And when they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. And now, O Lord, hear their threats. And give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after this prayer, the meeting place shook. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. Isn't that amazing? Like, how amazing is that prayer? And how amazing is God's response to their prayer? Like, it would be awesome if an earthquake just kind of happened right about now. <laughs> um, but I love that they didn't pray for the defeat of the opposing uh, people. They didn't pray for their own safety. What did they pray for? They prayed for boldness. And they prayed that the hand of God would perform signs and miracles. And as a church, I want us to pray for that same boldness. Like, Jesus, give us here at New Life great boldness in sharing your name. Stretch out your hand with healing power. And may miraculous signs and wonders be done in us and through us in the name of Jesus. I believe that we are going to see powerful things to come. 
as a church. We're just getting started here. And so let's just keep praying for boldness. Boldness to invite that friend to church. Boldness to share the story of how God has transformed your life. Boldness to pray for healing for someone. Boldness to stand with a brother or sister who's being canceled. Boldness to speak up about Jesus in a culture that is drifting farther and farther and farther away from the truth. And so today, I just want to encourage you with these three things from Peter's story. Jesus is what we all need the most. Opposition is an opportunity for influence. And pray for boldness. And we are going to see God transform not only us, but our city as well. And so today we get a moment uh, to pause and we get to remember where that boldness comes from. Remember what our greatest need is and remember where our salvation comes from. It all comes from Jesus. Jesus is the one who brought healing to the man at the gate. Jesus is the one who brought healing to the 5,000 that day. And he is still bringing healing to you and I today. And Jesus taught us to take communion as a way for us to remember him and proclaim his death until, we come, until he returns again. Because he's coming back. He's coming back to rule and reign on the earth again. And maybe if you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I just want to encourage you um, that now is the perfect time to ask him into your life. In the quiet of your heart as the worship band plays, just say, Jesus, I need you. Would you lead me to life? Will you help me find the life that you came to offer me? And we're going to take the elements now through communion. So if you want to get your cups out, we're going to take them together. blood of Jesus poured out for you. And this is the body of Jesus broken for you. Jesus, we remember you today. Would you reach into our stories, God? Would you bring us the healing that we need today? Whatever the area is in our life that needs a touch from you, God, would you come and heal us? You are who we need the most, Father. And I pray for those of us in this room that are facing opposition, God. Would you help us to fix our eyes on you and not on the problems of this world? Would you give us the boldness that we need so that we can share you with others, Father? Would you empower your church so that we can see signs and wonders and miracles in the days ahead? Would you stretch out your mighty hand in power? We need you just like that church needed you back in that day. We need you just as much today, Father. So would you come? Would you show up? In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.